my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, palbociclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech Green Money. C.C. Kersman is a private investor, entrepreneur, and independent board member. As a former music executive and talent manager, she's guided the careers, business strategies, and brand development of many of the biggest artists on the planet. As a board member, she either currently or has sat on the boards of directors for Revline, Circuit de Soleil, Warner Music Group, Lanvin Group, United Talent Agency, and more. Currently, she leads Nexus Management Group, a private investment company dedicated to innovative growth stage businesses in the consumer, media, and technology sectors. 
Traditional media is still being disrupted daily by innovation that provides a platform to social media commentators and creators, but many new media companies have a hard time figuring it out also. And there are many stories of late where well-funded platforms either no longer exist or are today not getting after it, not meeting their full potential. It was all good just a week ago. As someone who's an investor in growing media platforms, I ask to paint a picture of what the landscape currently looks like. Well, well, you know, I, I think some of the, really the downfall of some of the larger new digital media uh, businesses, I think really speaks to the venture model, which is, is quite broken. And I think we're starting to see where the cracks in the pavement are. Um, by watching not just these media businesses, but some of the other tech businesses and other businesses that I think are now suffering because of the valuations and the enterprise values that, that were so frothy in the last 10 years and didn't really reflect the, the strength and, and the solid nature of the business. And by that, I mean, you know, now everybody's talking about it. But we knew we knew it was happening when it was happening, right? We knew valuations were not, you know, we had companies that were based on valuations with no profitability. Uh, we had companies that continue to raise large sums of capital based on paper valuations, not based on, you know, an actual business model and the health and structure of the business. So it's not, I would say, a surprise that we're seeing a lot of these uh, media companies go away. They're sort of suffering from their own perceived success because they did raise a lot of money and they raised a lot of money against the expectations of some really, really massive valuations. And it's not to say that these aren't great companies with great prospects, but unfortunately, they were burdened by their own success and expectations that were set for them and by them really so what's happening from the venture side that allows that to happen is it just so much money in the system that they've got to deploy it somewhere or, or is it very charismatic founders what's happening yeah i think it's a combination of things right media and tech are both sort of suffering in the same you know in the same downturn and the irony is that it isn't really about the businesses. The businesses in many cases are still thriving, right? They're still growing, perhaps not at the pace that they did out of the gate or at the pace that was expected based on their valuation. So, you know, they are good businesses, good teams, good underlying business model, but the expectations are out here. Right. And I think what you're seeing now is really a correction to where it should be. But of course, anybody who invested at the high valuation sees this as, you know, the end of days because the valuations are now coming down to a place where probably they should have been anyway. Um, these companies probably shouldn't have raised so much money. Money will cover up a lot of mistakes. And sometimes you actually need to see and live your mistakes and own your mistakes and setbacks to be able to continue to build a business in a healthy way. So from an investment perspective, what does innovation look like these days in media? Because I brought up there are so many people doing this independently and you also have a lot of social media commentators on these things. So what does in in innovation True. look like? I mean, in any 
no matter how you slice it, media is expensive. To build a media business from scratch is expensive. Um, I think you had a lot of companies really diversifying too quickly across too many formats to be able to, to chase scale and valuation. If you look at actually some of the success stories in media, look at some of the incumbents who have actually pivoted in an interesting way. New York Times just launched their app. New York Times is doing very well. This is this is a you know age old, the old gray lady as they call her, age old media business um, that has gone from being an incumbent and a legacy business and really pivoted in a very very strategic way into the modern, you know, into the modern era. But this is a company that's been built over a hundred years, step by step by step. It had foundation. It had real. Um, brand awareness, it had real following, it had um, real authority in its space. So they had all those foundational elements that were built over the years to enable them to then innovate. Um, a lot of the newer companies really just, you know, built really quickly and audiences were fickle and it was really hard to sustain and maintain a solid um, you know, a solid foundation as, as they needed to scale their audience. And then once the, you know, once the, the kind of curtain gets pulled back a little bit, they're in real trouble very, very quickly. So I think about being a social media, being on social media, very active on social media, it's very difficult for people like me and across, I guess, many demographics to leave social media, to go to another link, another location on the internet. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on, let's say I go, I'm going to the New York Times, and then I got a paywall and you know, maybe I'm not a subscriber. So, and, but you're talking about they're growing. So how are these things happening when it, number one, social media platforms don't want you to leave. So they may suppress those links out. And then when you get to the place, now I can only read the first line of a story. Well, it's, it's, it's an age old marketing strategy, right? <laughs> they have to have content that's compelling enough that you're going to want to that you're going to want to get behind the paywall. I think they have subscribers because their brand is me means something, right? It's like, how many streaming services are you going to sign up for? Most people have Netflix, maybe one or two others, but how do you become five or the, six? If the, it's me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to come over there and do and do uh, like you know an audit. On yeah, your seriously, service, seriously, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Netflix became what I call a utility, right? Something that you just you you pay like you play pay the electric bill. It's not something you turn off whether you're reading, whether you're watching a, a show that's that's original to Netflix or exclusive to Netflix or not. That is what every media outlet aspires to, where the content is such that it becomes your utility. It becomes something that you're not going to live without. And I actually think a lot of um, social media personalities have been able to build their own followings and being able to monetize their own followings to many to, at the expense of a lot of these, you know, larger digital media outlets. The idea is their monetization strategy is different. They're able to use other platforms and other platforms um, advertisers to help monetize and pay some of these social media pundits and personalities. 
that's what I love about the business. I mean, the New York Times is a great example of an existing media company, big media company that continues to innovate and nurture what already existed in terms of a following and hopefully build a few you know, new followers, but they had it. What I love and what I think the future of media is, is these individuals who've create, who have a strong points of view, who hopefully in some cases we've got more impartial uh, views, who are able to create content that is you know, sticky and engaging and build their own followings because there's been this great democratization of these social media platforms. Right, that you don't have to be a big, huge company with a billion-dollar valuation to build an audience, and that's, I think, the greatest threat to media is the individuals like yourselves and others who have something to say and have a point of view and are able to create content um, wherever they are and can build a following uh, behind them and monetize that following. That's that's what I think the future of media is: okay. individuals building brands around themselves. And so I've read that, you know, you're focused at Nexus with innovative growth stage companies. And, you know, you can debunk that if, if that's not true. Um, but I wonder what the reasoning behind sticking to growth stage companies is, because a lot of people think about, well, I'm maybe seed stage. I've got a really great idea. But why growth stage? As an investor, it, it's 100 percent to do with what my risk tolerance is and also to do with where I add value to a business. Um, and, you know, early stage, very early stage companies, I almost ascribe most of the success to the team. Is it a team that has done this before? Is it a team that can lead, can drive value, has had successes, but has also had failures? To me, the idea is secondary to who's going to execute the idea and even secondary to how well capitalized it is. And if I look at like the reason I got into investing is because I spent my life in the music industry and I managed artists and my goal for the artists was having been in the business a while is how do you give them a second act, right? Like how do you take that moment when they're at their absolute top of their career and their greatest influence and use it to leverage that into opportunities that give them the access to generational wealth that give them access to cap tables that most people don't have access to. And so we started investing on behalf of the artist into businesses like early and Spotify, right? Businesses that didn't need money, weren't accepting other checks, but would allow us to come in because they thought it was interesting that the, the value proposition of having artists and people who are connected with you know, consumers and what the consumer base wanted. So that's how I got into investing really is to engage my artists and give them opportunities to, you know, opportunities that only old wealthy people have had for, for years and years and years and give them a seat at the table. And that's what got me into investing. And the reason that I invest, you know, I have a risk profile. I don't love the idea of putting in 20 investments, thinking one of them is going to work and hoping and praying, right? I don't have that. I can't sit through that risk, right? That, that would stress me out. I like companies that have product market fit, have teams, and where they are is they're in a position where they're ready to put jet fuel on their business. And that's also because that's where I can add the value, right? As a brand builder, as a marketer, as a business person, 
my superpowers are around, okay, you've got something really great. You've got the best business or brand that not enough people have heard of. Like what I can do to help your business is to take it and put it on blast. And that's why, you know, for me, I'd rather put money into a business that's going, that has, uh, you know, may not give me a hundred times return and maybe one or two times, but there's very little risk that it's going to disappear tomorrow. Right. And that's why I don't do early stage. And it's purely a preference, um, purely a risk tolerance uh, perspective and also where I where I feel I can add the most value. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com customer to claim your credit. 
That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I mean, check the resume. Cece was vice president of worldwide marketing at Epic Records, Sony Music, where she led the marketing team and oversaw the U.S. and international strategy for priority artists like Pearl Jam, Sade, Celine Dion, and Michael Jackson. She began her career in the record business at Arista Records, working for the legendary Clive Davis as director of artist development and special projects. From there, decided to take her talents to private investment. What was the opportunity she saw? CeCe speaks on it. Really, it was, I'd been in, I'd been working in the music industry for 20 years. The opportunity to invest on behalf of my artists um, gave me this visibility across a lot of businesses, uh, different industries, different management teams, different investor groups. And it really allowed me to sort of diversify my exposure, my my professional journey and my skill set. So I, you know, after doing quite a few of these investments, it, it seemed like a, a good opportunity to sort of uh, allow myself to sort of take a few different paths on my professional journey and really do some light learning in all these other industries. Uh, and that's what got me into investing. And, and ultimately why I sit on a lot of different boards is because I love to have visibility into a lot of different industries. Um, but one thing that all of these industries have in common is they're central to brand and brand building. And um, whether it be finance, whether it be music and entertainment, or whether it be consumer, they're really all like, how do you storytell? How do you, how do you message what you're about? How do you message your values? And how do you disseminate that, that message in a wide, you know, to a wide group of people? And you mentioned this before, I'm, I'm gonna come back to the board talk in a little bit, but you mentioned when, the types of investments you involve yourself is you get to bring those experiences that you've had historically and what types of activities are you involved in operationally or otherwise with the companies that you make? Well, it really varies. Well, um, you know, I'm involved in big companies like Revlon and Warner music and, and, um, man group, which is a big publicly traded hedge fund. Um, and I'm involved in earlier growth stage companies that I'm invested in. Um, and they all require different levels of engagement. I would say, you know, management, finding the right management team, done quite a few CEO searches and building the, the CEO, CEO's team and management team. Um, obviously in areas like uh, music and entertainment, where I have a very specific and longstanding background. Uh, I get involved in, in many areas um, beyond the sort of more high-level strategic board uh, work. Um, and it could really just be there to support the management team wherever I can troubleshoot and, and help make a difference. In the younger companies, probably much more operationally involved in terms of, you know, really helping guide the management team, helping them make decisions, um, in some cases, helping them raise capital, uh, hire teams, uh, build a business model, pivot the business model, um, and help create opportunities and, and use my network to, to help them 
create opportunities for their business and themselves. And so we had um, Ursula Burns at an Afrotech executive sometime, sometime last year, and she said something that I thought was remarkable. And I wasn't interviewing her, so I didn't get a chance to dig into this sentiment she had shared. And she had she we were talking about boards and she didn't understand the fascination with board service to this body of people that we were in the room. And so I want to position what I would follow up with somebody who's had your experience. I mean, you at, at Revlon, you know, UTA, Cirque du Soleil and Lanvin and more. And you've had all these wonderful experiences. And what are some good reasons to desire to sit on a board? I'm glad you asked the question because I do do a lot of uh, I do do a lot of talks about board service, and you know my my side hustle is putting women on boards. It's just something I challenge myself to put ten women, uh, especially women of color, on boards every year because it's sort of opportunity begets begets opportunity, and um, helping share that network. But I agree with her in some cases. The first question I always ask a room like that is, make sure you've answered the question, why do you want to be on a board? And very few people have the answer. The answer for many people is immediately, it's it's another sort of notch, notch in my resume. It's sort of the next thing. Once I've done this, this, and this, that's the next, you know, the next step on the ladder. Um, it looks good. Uh, it's, you know, helps my, my personal brand. I think that could be part of the reason, but I think there have to be a lot more foundational reasons to join a board. And there are some, right? I noted one for me, uh, I wanted to expand beyond my industry of choice right? Entertainment. I loved it. I done it a long time. It's very hard once you reach a certain level to be able to pivot into other industries, right? To be able to have that visibility at a strategic level, not at an entry level, at a strategic level. And board work is one of the ways you can do that, right? It's you have transferable skills that you've learned building and running businesses in your core field that you can then lend to these other businesses, but also you're learning these other businesses. I didn't know consumer products. I didn't know about supply chain. I didn't know about the capital markets. Um, I was able to bring my expertise into these businesses, but more importantly, I've gotten so much. I am now, you know, if not fluent, certainly conversant in all these other industries. And at a certain point in your career, when you may say, listen, I don't want to be just CC, the entertainment person or the music person. I want to both intellectually and professionally expand my skill set. I think that's a really good reason. Um, I think for an operator of a business, being able to work, if you're a CEO of a business, being able to work alongside and watch another CEO of a business work and to be able to partner with them and help them, but also learn from them. I think that's a really good reason to do to to be on a board. I think being able to expand your network beyond your industry and be on a board with board members that are um, from all sorts of different industries and would be a great network for you. Another great reason to do a board. I think where people get it wrong sometimes is they're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> there are some opportunities to do that, but it's not board work is not 
you know, you're stepping into, you know, you're stepping in it. That's not what it is. I think a mistake is to do it just purely because you think it's, uh, it's a profile choice. Um, and I think it's important to know, for example, if you're an operator in a business, it's really hard to do board work, right? Yeah. You might be able to do one, but when you're on a board, the time you, you don't have to be there all the time. There are very specific times you need to show up and be involved, but you've got to be there. So if you're working a day job, you can't say, I can't be at that board meeting. You can't say, I can't, you know, be on that call. You've got to be able to create the time for that board service. And the other, the other issue I find with some people who have a day job, especially if they're, you know, they, they're a founder or running a business is if I'm an investor or I'm a board member on your, uh, your company, I want to know that you're 150% devoted to your day job. I don't want you using your time and your, you know, mental mass to be supporting another company that doesn't help grow the business that I'm involved in. So it does become tricky, right? A good, you know, a good leader can see the value of being on another board to help them develop mentally as a leader. But the idea, they have to be able to maintain their day job at 150%. And if that ever slips, you have the duty to ensure that you're fully focused on your day job. Um, the other thing I think people don't really understand is there's real liability in being on a board, actual liability. So boards get sued all the time. You have insurance, but you need to be prepared for the fact that you have liability because you're a fiduciary of that company. And I think you've seen it, you know, there are people getting sued at Disney right now. Um, there are people who were sued, uh, the suing the, the shareholders that sued Twitter, Twitter's board. Um, you know, there have been a lot, there are a lot of lawsuits. If a shareholder thinks that they did not, uh, that the board didn't act in the full support of the shareholders, they're gonna sue. So just be prepared that there is liability that comes with it. Um, not, you know, the grass isn't always green. Companies have problems and then you're really on the hot seat and you've got to be, you know, roll up your sleeves and get involved in, in solving those problems. And so I'm going to ask this question and it's, it's going to sound selfish, but there's also, there's very, there's very, um, credentialed people who listen to this podcast so there will be value across the board so i have the privilege of sitting on a few boards university boards um ohio casino control commission we regulate all the casinos in ohio etc some some international corporate boards i've sat on and i want my question is this there are for people who have sat on boards there's a desire to get on bigger boards and you don't want to just always trip over these opportunities so how can you be specific and intentional about creating opportunities for yourself because i'm not a black woman so i you know maybe i don't qualify for your mentorship in that way but you know i you want but see yeah, i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that but see I, I but i wonder like how can people be intentional about you know these opportunities seeking them out i think i think you have to be intentional about the opportunities um what i tell people because you know when when as, as soon as you're sort of reach a certain profile, inevitably opportunities are going to come your way. And I would say this 
in the same way that I would speak to my artists about building their own kind of career strategies, you're going to get the incoming phone calls. You're going to want to say no more than you say yes. And so when you say be intentional, think about the outgoing phone call. Think about why, you know, the question we just answered, why do you want to be on a board? Is it to expand your professional skill set? Is it to pivot your career? Is it to expand your network? Then you ask the question, then you answer the question with what, what companies really interest me? What value could I add to a company? And then you start to formulate an opinion around the, uh, the types of boards that would be interesting to you, whether they're big, small, private, public, you know, that's sort of secondary. What are the companies that are interesting to you because you've asked those questions? And I, I left off one point that I think is one of the mission critical questions for yourself. Who else is on the board, right? Both in terms of who are you, who do you want to learn from? Who do you want to be a part of your network? Who do you admire? Who do you want to spend a lot of time with? Because you do spend a lot of time with your fellow board members. Critical questions to ask. If you ask me, one of the most pivotal boards I was on was actually a nonprofit board. Um, it was one of my first boards. And I arrived at this board and there were seven sitting public company CEOs also on the board. When I say it was the highest functioning board I have ever seen, the most high functioning people, entirely productive, every meeting ran so well and everybody left that, we left every meeting with things having been done, decisions having been made. And to me, that was actually one of the greatest learning experience around good governance, high functioning, uh, you know, board meetings and best practices. And what's, you know, the, <clears throat> the byproduct of that is having spent all that quality time peer to peer and elbow to elbow with these seven sitting CEOs, not only did I learn from them, but they became part of my very, very close network of advisors, of mentors, and yes, of a pipeline to future future board work and career opportunities. There, you cannot understate the, the importance of the network. And I think sort of the board pipeline gets a bit of a bad rap um, because it has been historically very insular, but there's also reason for that. Um, Really, the decision around who gets on boards comes down to what I call the three C's, right? Capability, obviously. The, the, the person has to have the, the capabilities and the skill sets to be on that board. Chemistry, right? Really important. Are you going to have chemistry with the other board members? Are you, gonna, are you a growth mindset person? Are you a fixed mindset person? Do you build consensus? Are you a table pounder? Are you going to get in that room and help it be really productive? And the last one is character. And this one is the most important one because I think it's the reason that um, boards have been very exclusive. Unlike hiring somebody for a regular job, when you put them in the boardroom, they have the 
enormous power uh, over and around the business. With that, you need an enormous amount of trust of the person you're inviting onto the board. You need to trust in their values, in their ethics, in their um, you know, their ability to not only add value, but to be constructive. And that's not built overnight, right? You can't read that in somebody's LinkedIn and understand, uh, you know, what that character is and, you know, haven't built that trust. So that trust means that a lot of people call people they know. They call people they know. They call people they've worked with. They've called people that that have great recommendations because people they trust have worked with them. And historically, that means it's been a very small pool of people to pull from. And one of the things that, that I certainly try to do is not only put people on boards, but to ensure that the people making the choices and decisions have exposure in their own network to all of these amazing people that may not have been on their radar before, because it's not a supply issue. I think it's a connectivity issue, giving exposure to the enormous supply of highly capable, talented people who are now a part of their network and they can build relationships and build trust, which may lead to board opportunities, may lead to other career opportunities, may lead to mentorship opportunities. But I think really building that network and the relationships and the trust is as important a part of developing the, you know, the next generation of board members and hopefully a much more diverse and representative uh, generation of board members um, as just, you know, pipelining resumes and, and using search verbs. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. 
someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. So I was talking to Tristan Walker, who's a friend, is his own Shake Shack's board and Foot Locker. And we were talking about how, you know, not only is diversity on boards the right thing to do, but there's also an economic reason. There's diversity in, impacts the bottom line. And I want to ask you a question on this is because at that same Afrotech executive we had with Ursula Burns and Merlene St. Till, who's also on a lot of corporate boards. And there was a conversation around should how, how much weight should we put into being on a board because you may be black too. The diversity, they need that also. And I wonder what your thoughts are on how we should pursue board opportunities because we might also be black. We, not doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we're not skilled and doesn't mean we have, won't have an asset to, prov- to provide, but we're also black. How much weight should we put into that? Listen, <laughs> I mean, if two people are equally as qualified for a board role, bring representation onto your board, right? Um, I think, you know, Tristan's point is a really good one. And it, it's an economic imperative. It's not a diversity imperative. You, you know, boards should reflect their entire stakeholder group all the way through, right? That is their consumer, that is their employees, that is their shareholders, that is their management teams, that is their board. So all the way through organizations, the the board should reflect every aspect of that stakeholder group. And that just becomes an economic, uh, you know, imperative because that means you're going to be able to better serve your your end consumer, your end business, right? Having representation in the room. It's one thing that actually has driven me crazy about the beauty industry, which is still so segregated, right? Multicultural teams live over here. General market lives over here. And, you know, if you want to actually get the best, uh, you know, for your company, have representation throughout. Bring those multicultural folks in. Have them be at the point of origin of, product innovation, of marketing, of C-suite, and yes, of board. And you'll get the benefit of being able to to wrap your arms around all cultures and the entire audience. And you also bring some very important and critical perspectives into the room of what they call the general market. So, but, you know, to answer your question directly, I think it's as important that when we get on these boards that we are high-performing. Um, we need to get on these boards and not be in the back, quiet, uh, you know, cashing our ticket. We need to come in these boards and have a very strong voice and um, be able to make a real impact on the board. So, yes, I think 
We need more diversity, more people of color on boards, but it's important when they get out, get on those boards, that they're there for the right reasons and that they're there and can make an impact. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll start going in the other direction. Certainly. I think I read this from Wall Street Women's Forum, and this was written about you. It says, utilizing her artist development expertise to develop businesses and entrepreneurs, Cece has grown a portfolio of companies taking on varying degrees of operational involvement. And I'm, I referenced that because you said something earlier regarding, you know, changing from talent management to investment. And so many of us, particularly career minded people, think about they may be unhappy in what they're doing today. They may want to do something else. And so many of us think that we need to stop what we're doing to do something else. You saw what you were doing as a leap, as a launch pad to do what you're doing now. How should we be thinking about reimagining our activities and reimagining our skill sets to be able to deploy them to different targets instead of leaving what we're doing altogether to start something new? That's a really good question. I think, you know, I, I think about that word reimagining a little bit. Um, and a word that I hear a lot, which is pivoting. Um, I think taking stock of the skill sets that you've already developed. Um, I think the idea of doing something new is, is, is really semantics, right? You're going to bring your experience from whatever you've been doing into the next thing you do. There are very few uh, experiences sets that have no transferable skills, right? So when I say I went from talent management, building living brands into investing because immediately you see the same thread where entrepreneurs are like artists, right? You're building their brands, you're telling their stories, you're ensuring that what they what they want to put forward is also what the consumer understands, creating that connective tissue. That is consistent whether you're dealing with music artists or you're dealing with entrepreneurs and new businesses. Launching a new business in so many ways is super similar to developing a new artist career. And as soon as I kind of understood that connective tissue because there were so many familiar moments, it gives you a whole other level of confidence, right? That's like, oh, I'm not switching careers. I am taking everything I've built and developed and learned um, and internalized, and I'm applying it to a new uh, industry or I'm applying it to a new position or a new uh, career strategy. But I would never say you're, you know, you're never starting from scratch is, is what my point is. So really being able to take stock of the amazing experience that, that you've already built and think about how it translates into some of these other areas. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It is produced by Morgan Devon and me, Will Lucas. Additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. Special thank you to Micah Davis, Vanessa Serrano, and Maya Muldrew. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Share this with somebody. Go get your money. Peace and love.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.